Here's Elliott side by side down the back stretch. Chastain in turn one drives it in deep to the problems along the front stretch. Kyle Larson gets sideways. He's young. He's informed. He's J.C. Fickenshire. And it's time now to raise the door on J.C.'s Garage. Welcome to J.C.'s Garage. I'm J.C. Fickenshire, joined by David Stiles. Daytona 500, first race of the week. That's a points-paying race of the season. Is wrapped up. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. takes it home in a uh, very crazy race. Uh, Longest, I think, Daytona 500 of all time, um, which... Because of those overtime finishes, it just kind of extended on. Um, a lot happened this weekend. There's a, a, a lot to talk about and, and a lot to go into this season to think about. Uh, but obviously the biggest point is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. snapping a, I think, a 199 race winless streak. Uh, comes into Daytona and uh, it makes his way through the wrecks and ends up being on top. He beats Joey Logano and Christopher Bell, who... Joey Logano won the championship last year, and Christopher Bell finished second in the championship last year. So I think a very impressive race for Ricky Stenhouse. Locks himself into the playoffs this year uh, due to the rule that anyone who wins a race now makes it into the playoffs. So no matter what happens, he should be in the playoffs uh, unless we have like 19 or so, uh, 17 winners going into the season. I'm not sure how the rule will be on that if that happens. But uh, impressive for Ricky Stenhouse to, to get a win. I think Daytona and Talladega and Atlanta are the tracks that he circles on the calendar for ones to get a win at, but winning the Daytona 500 is such a big deal, and uh, him walking away with one, and a single-car team, a small team to get a Daytona 500 win, it's pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, and third, not first-time winner, but third new winner to the Great American Race in a row. So we had Michael McDowell in 2020, and then Austin Sendrick in, or excuse me, 2021, and then Austin Sendrick in 2022, and now Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in 2023. So we haven't seen a heavy hitter win the Daytona 500 in three years because for me, the jury's still out on Austin Sendrick. He was a rookie last year. We really don't know how his career will pan out in the end. I'm not Nostradamus. I had do not have a crystal ball, so we'll just have to wait and see. Michael McDowell, very good at the super speedway tracks, same as Ricky Stenhouse Jr. But for me, the big story and what I thought made this race more interesting was the choose cone. We Mm -hmm. saw it all night from a couple of different cautions, the leaders and who was pushing the leader because we had a couple of teammates up there together at a couple of different moments in the race where we had Keslowski and Chris Busher, the two Fords from RFK Racing, teamed up. And then we also had Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon in the RCR camp teamed up in two different instances at the end of the Daytona 500. And I thought the choose cone played a big role in kind of the layout of that race. And I was really surprised that Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon split up there on one of those last mm-hmm. restarts. And Kyle Busch was on the top, Austin Dillon was on the bottom, and the plan was to let Kyle come down to the bottom so that they then could be hooked back up together and they could push one another. But for me, when you watch that replay and you go back and watch that restart, what that allowed the bottom line to do was to gain a, you know, not be able to gain any momentum, and the top had a ton of momentum. And so once they finally got hooked up together and then that bottom line started going, it was like an accordion effect. It just stacked everybody up, and it let the outside have 
you know, a good run. And effectively, that's what won Ricky Stenhouse the race. I know that we can go back mm-hmm. and say it was the caution, Daniel Suarez spinning, and then, you know, the, the next restart, and he did a good job of holding off Logano, who's very good at these types of tracks as well. But in that moment, Stenhouse was back a few rows. He was in sixth place, sixth, seventh place, and he had to come from th- the third row back, basically made a stellar move to come from the outside to the bottom and pass Logano before that uh, Suarez wreck. And to me, that was the move that won the race because then we've seen Stenhouse up at the front of these races before, and he almost won the Daytona 500 a couple of years ago and got wrecked out on one of the last couple of restarts that they had. And so it, he's not a stranger to being the front of this you know, gnarly pack at the end of Daytona. And this time he was able to go to victory lane and, well-deserved for him. I think it was almost 200-something days and his first win since 2017, so a really big deal for Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and I don't think that we need to forget that he was really good at the beginning of the year last year, had a lot of top 10 finishes, and so I think uh, him paired up with Mike Kelly, they could be pretty dangerous here at the beginning of this 2023 season, but the verdict's still out. This race really holds no kind of indication for what we will see for the rest of the year. Yeah, I thought the the last 15 laps, 20 to 15 laps of this race were a lot to take in. I mean, the the Roush uh, Fenway cars, the Roush Fenway Kozlowski cars were incredible. Like I, I at at the point that those two cars were were back to back and pushing and leading the race, I was really it it was just hard to see somebody else winning that race, but them getting caught up into Rex. Chris Buescher had a had a good finish, but uh, losing his drafting buddy and, and team owner, Brad Kozlowski, didn't really help him. And and the Fords had, I would say, the best pack of the day. Um, they were just, when they were together, they were able to create more momentum. And I think it's just because of the way the front noses. They're easier to push together. Um, but it comes down to it, and Joey Logano is the last Ford left in the final restart, and he has no drafting buddies. There's a couple Chevys together, a couple Toyotas with uh, Chris, Christopher Bell, and um, uh, I think Bubba Wallace and um, Travis Pastrana were hooked up together a little bit. But the Chevys really were able to survive most of the uh, wrecks and be able to work with each other, leaving Joey Logano and guys like Christopher Bell, who finished up in the front, uh, kind of by themselves. And you look at the top 10, there's Ryan Blaney, Chris Buescher, and uh, Riley Herbst and Joey Logano. Those are all four f- Fords. But the pack was kind of separated uh, into like eight cars, and then there was a little bit of a gap between the rest of the field. And Blaney's car was absolutely destroyed. Like, I'm super surprised he was able to, to get away with the top 10 finish because if you look at the car, the whole front end of it was was taped up and... I'm, I mean, working in the draft, he was able to create speed, but if that car got out in front, it would just be a big parachute. Um, but Chris, Chris Buescher and, and Joey Logano weren't able to really create much to uh, lock up together and get a Ford to the front. Just great work by the Chevys to find their partners and make their way through. The Rex and, and Ricky Stenhouse coming away with the win. I thought it was exciting seeing uh, both RCR and um, uh, Roush Fenway, Kozlowski Racing, RFK, uh, they were both battling together with Austin Dillon and Kyle Busch, and then Chris Buescher and Brad Kozlowski, 
but it, it, this race is truly about surviving. You look at all uh, the three major races we had this weekend with the Truck Series, Xfinity, and Cup Series. The Truck Series rained out, so you really don't know what would happen in that race. But both the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series race ended under caution, which has been a, a big talk this whole weekend. Whether overtime racing, what to do with it, because as as a fan, I I want to see the cars come down and and race past the line. But obviously, in the Xfinity standpoint, where there's a car flipping, any car, anytime a car's mid air or upside down on a track, there's a caution coming out. There's there's no doubt about it. And then the the hits that were on that last wreck in the Cup race, Kyle Larson took a massive hit. Denny Hamlin took a really big hit, and uh, just the you know that a caution is going to come out. There's no changing that. The ha- a caution has to come out in those kind of wrecks. But I hope NASCAR can find a way that we can get these cars to race past the line. But obviously, there's a lot that can happen because if you keep doing restarts till the end of the the actual race where they pass the the uh, the checkered line, it could go on for a long time. So it's it's one of those things where we either kind of get rid of overtime or have one overtime start or just keep it how it is. It's it's fun to watch the overtime restarts. Everybody's going all out for it. But it's just kind of anticlimactic when it comes down and goes under caution. They, they finish the race under caution. But that's something that NASCAR will probably think about over this year because we have another Daytona race, two Talladega races, and two Atlanta races. And all three of those races, I think, are the biggest that have to do with the overtime rule. They're the where the cars are all bunched up together on one big pack, and uh, one single move could cause forty cars, almost the whole pack, to wreck. So I, I'm interested to see how NASCAR handles it. But also, another takeaway uh, from this race is Zane Smith and Austin Hill, not from the Daytona 500, but from the Xfinity and Truck Series. They both won it the year before in 2022 and repeat and win it this year. So I thought that was kind of an interesting stat. But um, over the weekend, obviously Ricky Stenhouse wins. A little bit to touch on that that caution that had Daniel Suarez spinning. Uh, Obviously, the caution had to come out at the point where he was stuck in the grass. But a lot of people questionable about the caution, how how early they threw it, because he started spinning in front of pit road and they threw the caution. And that kind of set up all of the wrecks that happened after that. Started all the overtime uh finishes. And I think the finish itself, if Daniel Suarez was able to control that car and the caution didn't come out, I thought that would have been a great finish seeing those cars go green to the end. Uh I want to hear your take on that, David. Yeah, it would have been, you know, woulda coulda shoulda, but mm-hmm. At the end of the day, there's a human being sitting on the other side of that uh, decision, and when they decided to throw the caution, they push the button, and the caution light comes out. I don't have any problem with them throwing the caution because we need to always err on the side of driver safety. Mm -hmm. And so if it's a safety issue, put it out. Now, I'm kind of in between on what I would like to see happen, like you talked about a couple of seconds ago, where you, you didn't really like them not ending under green. I'm kind of in the vein of how it used to be maybe 10, 15 years ago when Dale Earnhardt won his Daytona 500. They had a caution at the tail end of the race. It uh, was finished under yellow, and he was the winner. And so if that would have happened this time, Kyle Busch would have won this race. Mm -hmm. And the only reason this was the longest Daytona 500 is because we had those cautions, and they, they went 
a further distance than they've ever gone before. I think they went 500 and I think it was 12 miles or something like that. Yeah, fi- uh, 530 miles because they went 212 mm-hmm. laps. So I had it a little bit backwards on that 2.5 mile paved super speedway. But uh, for me, I I don't mind it ending under caution. I mean, mm-hmm. you did everything that you needed to do to be at the front, short of you wrecking the person in front of you and you know causing the the delay or the caution. I don't have a problem with the race not finishing under green. And I don't have a I don't have a a problem with the way that this one ended with Stenhouse because he knew that he had to be in front of Logano if they threw out the caution and he was and he was the winner, so I, I like the overtime restarts and and you're right they can't continue to do them and say we have to finish under green because at mm-hmm. some point the war of attrition will catch up with you and and like you yeah. said there will be <laughs> there won't be any cars It'll, to race <laughs> yeah. be two cars it'd be like there. the uh what was it 2020 clash when yeah. there were like six cars left and eric jones's destroyed car won the race that was a mess of a, a race but it was fun to watch yeah i mean it was basically a demolition derby so mm-hmm. for me i'm in between like the sanctioning body can decide what they want to do. I like the overtime rules that we have now. I think it's a good idea because at least you get to see another restart and then, you know, a potential pass for the lead. If you do it the way they did 15 years ago, um, Kyle Busch would have been the winner of this race. And I'm still okay with that because that's the rule. So either way, I'm happy with it. I just don't think that it's possible every race to manufacture you know, the, those moments that we want as race fans where you have a last second pass for the lead under green. Like, you can't manufacture that stuff. You can't go out and manufacture Ricky Craven and Kurt Busch at Darlington banging <laughs> on one another, and somehow Ricky Craven wins the Southern 500. You, you can't do that every time you go out with a race. I'm sorry, race fans, but it doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. So <laughs> yeah. I, I think that there just has there has to be some logical rule sets and this current overtime one to me is very logical and I think it's very fair. The only thing that I might want to add to it in this sense is that wreck happened, you know, in a in a corner and I understand that if cars are flipping in the air the caution has to come out driver safety, you know, I said that earlier. If if there's a thing for safety, the caution needs to come out. But if if we can tell that that wreck is behind them, it's not going to affect what happens in front of them. Let them go ahead and race to the green. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, the start finish line. Let them go ahead and race to the start finish line and and then let them sort, sort it out instead of throwing the caution. And, and you could kind of tell there was a little bit of hesitancy to throw that caution on that overtime restart because I think they secretly wanted them to race back to the start finish line to kind of manufacture one of those, you know, last second passes. But uh, then it got a little bit out of hand, and they made the decision to put the yellow out. And I'm perfectly happy with the way that this race ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ricky did everything that he needed to do. Like I said earlier, his pass from sixth or seventh to the front row won him that race. Because once he got up front, he said, I'm not going to let this go for anything. I'm going to do my best to either come away with the trophy or come back with a steering wheel. And kind of off of your other point a little bit earlier, we saw all these teams kind of work together. You and your teammate, you know, RFK and RCR and the Chevys were working together and the Fords were working together and Toyota was working together. And then we got down to those last couple of restarts. And it was <laughs> just like, forget my teammate. I'm doing what I need to do to get to the front because 
those last couple of restarts with the choose cone, you didn't see anybody stacking up with their teammates. They said, okay, who's got the fast car? Who's going to be able to push? And that's exactly what Stenhouse did. He knew that he wanted to be in front of Joey Logano. And when they both chose the top, he thought, man, this is a really good matchup for me. I have a shot. And so that's kind of how it stacked up. At the end of this, you wanted to be either in front of or in the line that you thought had the best pushers. And that outside line at the end of the Daytona 500 definitely had the uh, most aggressive drivers in it. As you see, they finished uh, first and second. Yeah, uh, interesting ta- like how this will play out because NASCAR fans will will just talk about one thing that they want to change for the rest of the year. And uh, I think looking at it, it's the couple big ones are like stage racing. And this could go on with that. If we go to Atlanta would be the next quote unquote super speedway race that we have. Um, If it ends kind of like this one does under caution, I think more people are going to talk about it, but I'm, I'm fine the way the race ended because Stenhouse winning is a driver who didn't win last year. And you know, that makes more opportunity for a 17, 18, 19, 20 different driver winning season. You, re- so you really want that, though. <laughs> I, I do. I, I, I want chaos. I think that having NASCAR make a decision on we have 17 winners, only 16 can be in the playoffs. Maybe they let 17 in, cut it down. We talked about this all last year, but with the way you're outside of the top 30 in points, if you win, you're in. So if who Corey LaJoy and Cody Weir were just outside of it last year. Highly unlikely that they do win. I mean, let's let's be realistic. They they have very low odds to win a race, but if they do, they're in no matter what. So it'd be interesting to see a driver like that be in. But Ricky Stenhouse is a driver who wins this race, but I think that team is capable of competing in, in other tracks. We go to Auto Club this weekend. Last year, uh, Stenhouse had a top 10 run at Auto Club. And it's it's going to be interesting to see a smaller Chevy team, one-car team. They're in the playoffs. What can they build in this regular season to give them somewhat of a run in the playoffs? I think Ricky Stenhouse is a driver that you can can back behind in the playoffs. If he, if he advances through that first round, gets to Talladega, who knows what can happen. He could go to the round of eight and... He's he's a talented driver. You just need to give him a fast car, and if he makes the right decisions, he'll be up there. But um, as we go to Auto Club, uh, this is, I think, going to be the last race on this configuration. I'm not sure if they've set anything 100%, but the two-mile uh, super-fast Auto Club Speedway, really, really gritty track. The tires just super slick, kills tires, a fun race to watch. Uh, multiple grooves, and I feel like this is a race that we're towards the early part of the season. This is also a track that I think a smaller team could win. I think a team like um, maybe Legacy Motor Club, one of their cars could go out there and uh, win the race. I'm not going to call RCR very small, but they're not one of the top dogs. I think they can definitely compete out there. Um, uh, RFK, who's, again, kind of in that middle range, I think they could go out here and and bring a fast car. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, how these teams go to Auto Club and set up the cars, what teams kind of stick out on the first track that isn't uh, a use the draft to to win kind of technique. Uh, this, this track's really based off how good the car is through dirty air and, and how trimmed out it is because 
again, it speeds around 195 miles per hour uh, to 200. These these cars fly around this track, and it's it's a fun race to watch. I'm hoping that we see another interesting winner. But um, as we go through and, and look, do you did you see anybody from Speed Weeks that kind of stood out as a interesting performance? Maybe can create momentum from Daytona. I thought someone that is doing very well that has surprised me is Eric Almirola. He's been very good at the Coliseum. He was good at Speed Weeks. He was good at Daytona. He finished sixth at Fontana last year. And that and he's going to be around for two more years. Everyone thought that he was going to ride off into the sunset, and apparently Smithfields must have offered him a bag of cash, and they've worked that deal out. But I think Almirola could be pretty good. Um you talked about Legacy Motorsports. Eric Jones finished third in this race last year, and Daniel Suarez finished fourth. Last year's winner, Kyle Larson, I mean, it's no surprise. He's from, he's basically from California. He is from California. Yeah. He rim rides that place. That's his style of racetrack. He's very, very good there. But the runner-up finisher, Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon. I mean, th- there's a lot of people in this top ten. The top ten, Stenhouse, mm-hmm. Hemrick, Kurt Busch. Kevin Harvick, Almirola, Logano, Suarez, Jones, Austin Dillon, Kyle Larson. That was your top 10 from last year's uh, auto club race in, you know, the early, late part of February. So I'm looking at that top 10 and I think, well, any, any of those guys could win a race. I mean, even, uh, I mean, Almendinger's in the Hemrick machine this year for college. Um, he, he could very well much ride up in the front. I think he's gotten a taste of what to do on these intermediate two mile tracks. Now he was a road course racer. He's won a couple of speedway races. He's becoming very well-rounded and I think a change of scenery was good for him. And, uh, he, he really likes racing at college. So Almendinger, I think is going to be really good. I mean, just from that top 10, I think he'll have a solid year all around. Uh, I think you're right. I think Busher could go there and have a really good weekend. But if I had to pick probably one person, ooh, I don't know. That's kind of throwing it up in the air. I know that Trackhouse has been pretty solid. I think I think Suarez. This is almost a. Um, I mean, he's from Monterey, Mexico. Mm-hmm. You know, this is all these border states for him are almost home. You know, Mar- though we say Martin Truex Jr. has five home tracks. Yeah. This is basically a Daniel Suarez <laughs> home track. I think he could go out there and do very, very well. He had a good showing in the Daytona 500. Again, just got caught up in, in getting pushed around and got a little bit loose and hit the wall. So it's kind of out of his control what happened to him when you almost get run over. So mm-hmm. I, I think Suarez could come out and have a, a pretty good weekend. And I think that would kind of add to this, you know, up and coming legacy that Trackhouse has built last season where both of those drivers won a couple races. So, yeah. And I don't think they're going away. I don't think they're going to fade. I think, I, that, I don't uh, think, I think they're going to be right back in it. Just start just how they finished last year. Yeah, I, I, I do too. And so I, I think Suarez yeah. is probably, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't lay a whole lot of money on it. We we've seen our track record. We're not very good at picking a win, <laughs> winner, <laughs> both of us, but uh, I think Suarez Suarez could have a pretty good weekend. And I, and I like Daniel. He's a, He's a good race car driver. He's always been really good when we've interviewed him at the Performance Racing Network, and uh, I would like to see him win some more races. So I had to pick one person to stand out this weekend. I think it's Suarez. Now, talking about picks, uh, I will say I think my first correct kind of pick, 
Last week, we picked the duels, um, not knowing if we would be able to do a show before the Daytona 500, but I did pick Eric Amarola to win a duel, and he did. Hey, there you go. So that that's my first one of, like, we've done probably 20, 30 episodes, may, around that, Yeah. And, and finally get one right. Hopefully this year we can be a little bit more accurate. Uh, I think... This race is is a hard one to pick. It's really I look towards the Chevys uh, at this track. I just think when I think of all out speed and like the trimmed out tracks, they they're great on the mile and a halfs and and like the flatter tracks and uh, like the flatter mile and a halfs, like kind of like Kansas, Michigan, but also the Toyotas were really good at those tracks last year. So it could be a sneaky guy like maybe. Bob Wallace, Ty Gibbs could come out there and win. Those both 2311 cars were really good on Michigan and Kansas. And Auto Club's not really too far off that tra- those tracks, but it's it's definitely wider and you can run more more lines and, and definitely wears a lot di- different than those tracks. But ah, I, I like one driver, and I think Ryan Priest could be interesting this year. Hey. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how he'll do. I know for two tracks that I would would put money on him and that's um martinsville and new hampshire because his backing is is modified racing he's an amazing modified driver and he's great at both those tracks but i think he could go out and win a couple races this year and i think he's kind of my underdog pick for auto club i think ryan priest is going to surprise some people this year he has he's been out of a full-time ride for a couple years he used to drive the 37 car which was teammates with Ricky Stenhouse who just won um but I I'd like to see Ryan Priest maybe sneak up and surprise somebody this year I like Ryan Priest I think that's a solid pick um he had he had some good showings at Speed Week and in, in the duels I thought he looked really well and he looked pretty good in the clash too I think that's mm-hmm. a solid pick he's you know in that 41 machine there at Stuart Haas so I, I like that that I mean we're both picking not you know, underdogs, I don't think, mm-hmm. but, uh, but definitely people out of the top purview of, Oh, I'm just going to pick Chase Elliott every week. Mm-hmm. Or like you know, the, I, I think the easiest picks at this, this track is like Kyle Bush, Joey Logano, Kyle Denny Larson. Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott. Like you could Ross Chastain, you could throw guys like that, but it kind of gets boring every week. You want to spice it up a little bit. Yeah. And Daniel Suarez, he's from Mexico, spicy yeah. food. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that we, we going into the West Coast Swing, Auto Club obviously started that. I think this is the biggest point of the season to kind of see who, what team, what driver can get a step up on everybody else in the season. I think the, the track selection that we go to uh, with Auto Club, Las Vegas, and Phoenix, I think those three tracks all – Pretty much completely different tracks. Auto Club is uh, super fast, kind of flat, very slick. Las Vegas is is very fast and slick, but a mile and a half, pretty high banked. And then Phoenix is just, I don't even know how you really describe what it is. It's a short track, mile mile long. Uh, you can't really describe the shape. It's kind of like an egg. And and I'm interested to see if these these cars can run differently. I think they've had um, brought some different tire compounds in for testing for these races. Um, I know that we, I think Phoenix will be the first track, and I highly doubt it rains out there, but I think it's the first track that 
we can run in the rain on an oval. So that's a new thing this year. We have rain tires and rain packages for um, tracks that are a mile in length and shorter. Now, Phoenix is a very fast track, so I, I doubt it rains out there. It's in the middle of the desert. It's basically a drought year-round, but I think if we were to get rain at somewhere like New Hampshire is a possibility. We've had it there. Um Tracks like it, it won't be on the big tracks like Bristol and, and Dover, like those miles that are banked. It won't be on those. But I think like New Hampshire and Phoenix, if we were to get rain, those are in the tracks that can get rain tires within Martinsville and Richmond and North Wilkes will, will probably have it. But um, it's going to be interesting to see if we have that. I, I don't know if we will for Phoenix. I highly doubt it. But New Hampshire is a possibility because you run pretty fast on those tracks and being in the rain would be kind of an interesting thing to see. We've never seen racing in the rain on ovals. Uh, we've seen it a little bit in the um, road courses, but those are usually kind of messy races. I don't know. They're kind of hard to explain. It'll be interesting. Uh, I want to hear your take about maybe seeing a rain race on an oval this year. I think it'll be kind of like what we've seen on you know, either the Roval or, or, or at Coda, maybe not to the extent we saw at Coda the first year we were there where the rooster <laughs> tails were like 12 feet tall and you couldn't see where you were going and everyone had the windshield wipers on and Truex got run over. And no, I don't, I don't think that it'll, that NASCAR will let them race in, in that mm -hmm. kind of a downpour, but I think that we could see it as a possibility. I know that every, I mean, we're, we've got what, 36 race weekends or 35 race weekends left in the season. Yeah. And it's it's a possibility that more than one of these weekends is will have some precipitation, and so I at some point we will see it. I don't know where that will be. I don't know where I would like to see it, but at some point they're going to try it, and then I'll be able to kind of make a little bit better of an assumption of how did it go? Should we do this again, or should they just red flag it and wait until the rain is over? But I, I think you're right. I I think. Daytona is the biggest race of the year. It's the one that everyone circles on the calendar. And the winner of that race, like I said before, really doesn't have a purview for what the rest of the season will be. But I think that after these first maybe five races, so Fontana, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Atlanta, and then Coda, and then Richmond, because that's really kind of our first, you know, short, short, short track short besides, track. Yeah. besides Phoenix. Uh we'll have a better kind of inclination of how this season will go and who the main players are. So if, if it's anything like last year, we could see multiple different winners. People could get, get, get hot, win a couple of races back to back, and then it'd be completely different in say a month or so. We just don't know. Yeah. We, we have no clue. I mean, last year it was hard to pick out a person to, to be dominant until the Daytona race in July, which was the cutoff race. So I, I keep attention to these next couple of weeks. Obviously, this will be a big race. We can see our first championship contender kind of rise up. It could be a uh, battle of a smaller team that sneaks out and gets a race uh, win. So I'm interested to see how this weekend goes. Excited. I always like watching this race. Um, but thanks, for you. thanks, David, for joining me. And uh, this was JC's Garage.